Your top stories on Blitz this hour. Colin Morikawa edges his name onto the Claret Jug. Hamilton soars to 8th Grand Prix victory at Silverstone. Bafana Bafana revel in Kosafa Cup glory. Tadej Pogacar cycles to second Tour de France title. And we bring you the latest tennis action from around the globe. The 149th edition of the Open Championship reached its crescendo with eyes fixated on the final round at Royal St. George's, with South Africa's Louis Oosthuizen taking a one-shot lead over American Colin Morikawa. The early group had one of the biggest movers in it, four times major championship winner Brooks Kepka made a late charge up the leaderboard with a brilliant round of 65, a round that included an eagle at the third hole that filled the American with confidence, jumping 19 places to settle for 8-under overall. Lee Westwood picked up an unwanted record after his final round of 72. The 48-year-old, after a somewhat promising start with an eagle at the par 5-7th, went yet another year without a major title. 88 major appearances, no wins for the Englishman. Dylan Fratelli improved on his previous best at the Open Championship, finishing fifth, moving up one spot with five birdies to his name, two under for the day and nine under for the tournament. Looking to add a second major title to his closet for 2021, John Rahm signed off for a steady round of 68 after a troubling start. Two bogeys on the front set the Spaniard back, but three birdies towards the back end. So the US Open champion finished tied for third alongside Oerstazen. The 2010 champion stuttering on the front nine, two bogeys coming at the fourth and seventh hole. Put pressure on the 38-year-old needing to play catch-up from there on. And it got no easier with the first of two birdies coming at the 11th. Another disappointing finish to a major tournament for the South African, one over for the day. Jordan Spieth, though, was composed in pushing for a fourth major title, the 2015 PGA Tour Player of the Year, fighting an eagle at the seventh to stake a real claim for top honors after two bogeys. And despite four birdies, the American finished two shots off winner Colin Morikawa. The 24-year-old had ice in his veins with those around Royal St. George's slowly but surely getting behind last year's PGA Championship winner. An unblemished round of golf from the world number four, signing off for a 66, the second best round of the event, but most importantly, the one that edged his name on the Claret Jug, coming from behind to secure a memorable win. The Midland Country Club welcomed the final round of the Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational with defending champions Sydney Clanton and Jasmine Suwanapura, top alongside Pajari Ananarukan and Aditi Ashok. Clanton and Suwanapura managed four birdies on the front but dropped a shot at the fourth that saw the pair slide down to second but were more consistent on the back nine, signing off for a six under 64. Clanton and Suwanapura were on their best, but it was not enough to reel in Arya Jutanugan and sister Moria Jutanugan, who were just unstoppable on the day. An unblemished round of golf that included 11 birdies, four straights on the back nine as the Jutanugan duo walked away as champions in Michigan, signing off for 11 under 59, 22 under overall, and three strokes clear of the chasing pack.
It's another exciting round of LPGA action at the wait. It's the Evian Championship. Catch all the action live from France right here on your World of Champions. The iconic Silverstone track welcomed the British Grand Prix with plenty of eyes fixed on the main race following the first ever sprint race on Saturday that determined the grid. Red Bull's Max Verstappen sat on pole for the fourth consecutive race and when the lights went out, the Dutch driver was hounded by Mercedes Lewis Hamilton. And it's lights out and away we go. Once again, Max Verstappen gets a decent start. Not as good as yesterday. Hamilton is right with him. Leclerc is already ahead of Bottas. Verstappen's ahead of Lewis Hamilton. Verstappen's going to have to weave like crazy. Hamilton got a better drive off the loop. He will be faster down the Wellington straight He's into not, Brooklyn. He's not going to get a chance to weave because already Hamilton is with him. They almost touch. They go into Brooklyn. Verstappen stays ahead. The crowd roar their approval for this. The two championship contenders giving it everything. It's not over yet because Hamilton gets another slipstream all the way down the old pit straight into Cops Corner. These are critical corners for this Grand Prix. Hamilton's going to try again. The collision forcing the stewards to red flag the race with Verstappen thankfully getting out of the cockpit unharmed and after the lengthy wait the lights went out for the second time with Charles Leclerc maintaining his lead while further back there was a bit of drama as Aston Martin Sebastian Vettel spun out dropping down to last. Hamilton's charge for a third straight win at home was hit with a 10 second stop and go penalty but was determined to catch Leclerc up front as the word answered the Ferrari signaled engine problems. The midfield battle was a tight affair with McLaren's Lando Norris continuing to prove that he is the best of the rest, moving through into fifth place, sitting behind Valtteri Bottas, before Hamilton pitted to serve his penalty and dropped down to sixth place. The Mercedes driver, though, made his way through those ahead of him, winning the British duel with Norris. Leclerc led at Silverstone from the second restart, but Ferrari was hunted down by the Silver Arrow. What seemed like Mission Impossible turned into a simple move in the end for Hamilton. An eighth win at Silverstone for Lewis Hamilton, throwing himself back into the Drivers' Championship race. With Leclerc finishing in second, Bottas third, and after a difficult weekend, Norris put his McLaren in fourth place. He's chased down the prancing horse, he chases the chequered flag, he wins the British Grand Prix for an eighth time here at Silverstone. Get in there, Lewis, man. What an amazing drive, an amazing day. Hats off to you there, mate. That was just epic, absolutely. The Formula One paddocks are off to Budapest for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Round 11 will be live right here on your World of Champions. Round three of the FIA World Endurance Championship, the six hours of Monza took to the tarmac at the famed track in Italy. Toyota Gazoo Racing locked out the front row with the pair of Toyota GR010 hybrids. But that changed within the first two hours as the number eight car suffered several issues and dropped out of contention with long pit stops, leaving the number seven alone in front. That car endured no such problems. The team of Mike Conway 
Kamui Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez dominated the race from start to finish. And despite being threatened at times by the chasers, Cruz take comfortable victory. What a fantastic last lap battle. Six hours and a minute already into the six hours. Checker is out. Seven Toyota wins it. It will be the Alpine in second. And Glickenhaus will come home third. South Africa stepped out onto the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium pitch with the hopes of ending their five-year wait of lifting the Kosafa Cup, with Senegal standing in their way on a dream round in their first ever Kosafa tournament. The opening half saw just three shots hit the target, but none struck with conviction needed to find the back of the net with Essay showing a bit more attacking impetus, but unable to break the deadlock. The Lions of Taranga looked more like the team that finished top of Group B by taking the fight to the home side. Five shots in total during the second 45. Again, the narrative stayed the same, no goals after 90 minutes of football. Another 30 needed to see who'll be lifting the Kosafa Cup. It was a half hour of play that frustrated both coaches, chances coming and going a begging. 0-0 once again and down to penalties the two went. It was an eventful shootout, both sides converting their first two spot kicks before Ethan Brooks missed his. But Veli Motwa came up clutch for Bafana Bafana, denying Dominic Mendy, then seeing his opposite number blast his effort over the bar. Pixie spots and goes over the top. South Africa win the Kasafa Cup. And the eyes penalty goes skyward. And South Africa will celebrate their fifth title in the Kasafa Cup. They win at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium in Nelson Mandela Bay on Nelson Mandela Day. With a second straight Tour de France title all but secured, Tadej Pogacar had the chance to enjoy, rather than endure the final stage at the 2021 edition. The soon-to-be two-time champion not the only man with the privilege, as all the jerseys had been sewn up heading into the final stage. Behind the narrative of the final stage glory was a whole lot more other stories to touch on. Mark Cavendish was aiming to set a record for the most Tour de France stage victories by a rider, looking to turn his joint best 34 to an all-time record 35. At 39, meanwhile, Andre Greipel, who will go down as one of the most successful sprinters of all time, was riding one last time at the Tour de France ahead of his retirement at the end of the season. 11 Tour de France stage wins later, alongside 7 at the Giro d'Italia and 4 at La Vuelta. The likes of time trial winner Vote Van Art weren't going to make it easy though, with the real action set to start in Paris. Once the real racing had started, Harry Sweeney, Stefan Biesiger and Kasper Pedersen launched the first attack, which after the peloton had caught up, saw another trio look to break away with limited success. Brent van Moer, Ida Scherling and Michael Valgren had the lead up until around 7 kilometers of the final stage remained. The door wide open for a stage 21 victory, Ineos and Quickstep with the initial interest. Cavendish was in there as was Vaud van Art, as the final few 100 meters of the 2021 edition came into view. Moving up on the right hand side, here comes Case Ball, it's Jumbo Fisma, Wout van Art strikes, Cavendish gets ready, he has to freewheel, Philipsen is there as well, Cavendish can't get through, he's going to come very late. 
straight. Who's going to get it? Photo on the line. Wout van Aert wins the stage for Belgium. Wout van Aert punches the air. He got Cavendish on the hip. There was no room for Cavendish to come through. It's a third stage win for Wout van Aert. Wout van Aert, the Belgian champion, stops Mark Cavendish taking Eddie Merckx's record. Wout van Aert, a stage win in the time trial, stage win in the mountains, stage win on the Champs-Élysées. Thank you everybody that uh, come here to support us, uh, cyclists, through all the three weeks, um, to the French public and to the whole fans of the cycling from the whole world. It was just so fantastic racing uh, on the amazing parkour of the Tour this year, um, coming after last year uh, to the Tour here with a, such a great team, uh, UAE Team Emirates. It was just, uh, <laughs> thank you guys, thank you so much. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, cannot describe how happy I am to be part of uh, this family. Uh, it just, yeah, uh, melts my heart. They were with me every day uh, for all year preparing for the tour and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, super happy and uh, proud to be the part of this team and uh, of this journey. Yeah, Mandela Day and, you know, final stage of the Tour de France, you know, Travis, you know, making history, changing so many lives, you know, donating all these bikes, you know, you can't beat that. Travis, you're an absolute legend. Uh, at this time in South Africa, we need good stories and uh, you are a really good story. Bicycles change lives. There's a message out there, I just, I just like to tell everyone to hang tight and let's, let's keep working together and unite as a country and just keep moving forward like together we can all we can all chip in uh, whether it's just in our smaller communities and friends and families it's, it's important that's now more than ever that we we stick together and and we move forward Fittingly hosted the second T20 between England and Pakistan. The hosts deciding to bat first and looking to get theirs back after the pulsating first T20 contest of Nottingham. It didn't start well for the home side. Losing Jason Roy four deliveries into the match, gone for 10, to be followed by David Malan in the third over. Imad Wasim with the early inroads with England at 18 for two. Pakistan had to wait until the 8th over before striking once more. Before then, Moeen Ali and skipper for the day, Joss Butler, added an innings-high 67 for the third wicket. Five boundaries and two maximums for the pair in a stand that took England to 85 before Ali's departure after a 16-ball 36. Butler, alongside first-match centurion Liam Livingston, continued to find the boundary with ease, helping their side to 100 runs inside the first 10 overs with a fourth-wicket stand that needed 32 balls to reach 50. A half-time for Butler, coming from only 33 deliveries before, with the score on 137, he was sculpt number four. Mohamed Hasnain with his second of the match as well. Johnny Bairstow came and went without causing any damage. 
Livingston, who had started to look threatening on a 23-ball 38, was then run out by a combination of Azam Khan and Harris Rauf. The last four wickets falling for 36 runs as England found a way to get to 200. Mohamed Rizwan and Baba Azam wasted little time in getting Pakistan on the front foot with the bat. A half-ton up inside the opening power play in which they scored a little under nine to the over and found the boundary six times alongside a Rizwan maximum of Chris Jordan. It was Sakib Mahmood that pressed the pause button on the onslaught. Azam the first to go after a 16-ball 22. The spin of Adil Rashid and Matt Parkinson would then bring the proceedings back in favour of the English. Rashid in no part mood to leak runs which was complemented by his wicket-taking ability. First he dismissed Soheb Maksud, stamped for 15, and then Rashid did this to end the innings of Rizwan. Good catch, good catch from Adil Rashid. A low full toss, it wasn't absolutely timed perfectly, but any caught and bowled is, is a tricky one. Not to be outdone, Ali then came to the party. He had Mohammed Hafiz caught in the deep by Besto for a 12-ball 10. And when he then beat the defences of Farka Zaman in the 13th, Pakistan were 95 for 5, having lost three wickets for the addition of only 24 runs. It was in that period that England will feel they won the game. Parkinson joining the wicket-taking list in dismissing Azam Khan, despite some willing blows laid on from the likes of Imad Wasim and Shaheen Afridi. Too many runs were still on the board. The reply climaxing at 155 for 9, England and their spinners in particular, leveling the series at one all with a 45-run victory. Sri Lanka won the toss and opted to bat first in the opening ODI against India in Colombo. Openers Avishka Fernanda and Minad Banuka got Sri Lanka off to a solid start, taking their side to 49 runs before the former was dismissed by Yuzvendra Chahal while in the 30s. Banuka Rajapaksa added 36 runs with Minod Banuka, only for both men to fall in the 17th over, with Kuldeep Yadav collecting two wickets in the space of four balls. India's bowlers continued to make inroads, as while most of Sri Lanka's batsmen got starts, none were able to kick on. That all changed at the death as Chamika Kurunaratni smashed a whirlwind 43. That included 19 in the final over. To help his side post a fighting 262 for 9 in their 50. India's reply got off to a flyer with Prithvi Shaw the aggressor. The opener smashed 43 runs of just 23 balls before he was sent packing by Dhananjaya De Silva. That brought Ishan Kishan to the crease and the birthday boy celebrated in style, hammering two sixes and eight fours before falling to Lakshan Sandakan for a brilliant 59, his maiden ODI half-century. Manish Pandey didn't last long, but Shikadawan did. The captain cracked a brilliant unbeaten 86 of 95 balls to guide his team to an emphatic seven-wicket victory with 80 balls to spare. Vitality Blast action got back underway as Somerset welcomed Gloucestershire to the county ground in Taunton, the home side looking to move to the top of the South Group with a win and were put into bat after Jack Taylor won the toss. 
There were early warning signs that it would be a long day out for the batters as Somerset found themselves two down inside the first power play with Devin Conway and Stephen Davis sent packing for four and two. James Hildreth and Will Smead put 38 runs together that brought stability to the Somerset innings before the visitors struck quickly, both batsmen back in the hut by the end of the 15th over. But what followed was a batting masterclass, a real innings of the tournament from Tom Lamanby, who alongside Rulof van der Merwe put on 89 for the sixth wicket, with Lamanby doing all the damage, bringing up his 50 of just 22 balls. The left-hander blasted his way to 90, facing just 36 deliveries, who set Gloucestershire target of 184. The Bristol Bay side's run chase got off to a wobbly start, losing both openers inside the first five overs to Craig Overton. The pair of Ian Cockbane and Glenn Phillips looked to put the visitors back on course for the win with a handy partnership of 53. Just as the third wicket stand gathered some momentum, Ben Green struck with the wicket of Phillips for 29. Cockbane continued to be the shining light for Gloucestershire, reaching the half-century mark, but despite having wickets in hand, the Somerset bowlers managed to keep a stranglehold on the batters, with the asking rate climbing. Cockbane was the last batsman to depart for a well-played 72, the home side in the end recording a 23-run victory and moved top of the South group. Green and Overton, the pick of the bowlers, both capturing two wickets. Next up on the agenda for the Proteus Tour of Ireland is the T20 series. All three matches live on your World of Champions. The final of the Hamburg European Open saw Filip Krajanovic take on Pablo Carina Busta. The players had faced each other once before with Krajanovic coming out on top. But history didn't repeat itself in the opening set, which Carina Busta dominated breaking his opponent in the third and seventh games to take the early lead. The Spaniard continued to rule the court in the second, capturing a vital break in the very first game, and that's all he needed as he cruised to a comfortable 6-2, 6-4 victory. Pablo Carreño Busta is the champion in Hamburg. A release of emotion, a sigh of relief, and he can start to celebrate the biggest title of his career, his first at ATP 500 level, the sixth that he's won, and the second of the year for the Spaniards. And he's done it in impressive fashion without dropping a set along the way. And you've got to say that was a pretty special performance. The WTA was set to welcome a new champion on Sunday as 20-year-old French woman Clara Burrell and tournament top seed Tamara Zidancek locked horns for the Ladies' Open Luzon crown. It's been a brilliant campaign for Burrell, who took out some big names en route to the final, including defending champion Fiona Ferro. She'll have to produce a similar performance to oust the more fancied Zidancek. It was a slow start from the Slovenian as the French woman raced into a four-love lead. However, Zidancek finally found her rhythm. From 5-1 down, she clawed her way back into contention, 5-4. But she paid the price for her slow starts as Burrell took the 10th game to seal the first set. The two could barely be separated over the first four games of the second set. Zidancek knew what needed to be done, but Burrell kept her pegged back with some fine baseline play. It was a roller coaster ride of a set, which eventually led to a tiebreaker. Zidancek just doing enough to claim it, forcing a third set. Burrell's confidence was a miss in the deciding set. The unforced errors accumulated as Zidancek tightened her grip. 
From a sit down, the Slovenian found a way. Three sits were required, but it was a job well done at the end. Um, hi, hello everyone. Uh, thank you for coming. It's uh, really a really nice day after a rainy week, so I'm really thrilled about the weather, not so much about the wind, but thank you for coming and cheering for both of us. Thank you to everyone who had anything to do with the organization of the tournament, um, chair umpires, uh, line umpires, ball kids, everyone at the player's desk, transport, uh, you guys make it easy for us to play, so thank you for that. Never before has there been an undisputed junior middleweight champion in the four belt era. The highly anticipated bouts between Jamal Chalo and Brian Castaño had the chance to change that. An epic and historic unification fight at the AT&T Center in San Antonio. WBC, WBA and IBF champion Chalo, who hails from Houston, went in with a more impressive resume. Adding Castaño's WBO belt to his collection would certainly enhance his already stellar reputation even further. However, he took a while to settle into the fights. In fact, the early stages of the battle were dominated by Al Boxy. The Argentine landed some big blows, targeting both the body and the head. He looked the better fighter over the first five rounds, but slowly Iron Man Charlo worked his way back. The three-belt champion dispatched a big shot in the tenth round that threw the Argentine off his game. The final rounds went the way of Charlo, but whether he had done enough to beat him overall would have to be decided by the judges. Judge at ringside, Tim Cheatham scores the bout. 114 to 114, even a draw. The decision is a split decision draw. So they split decision draw. You gotta do it again. Let's run it back. Let's see a second one. Shout out to San Antonio for coming through, baby. I love y'all. I'll come back to this place. Um, the draw was, you know, what is what I wanted to hear. If anything, I, I won this fight. Uh, I hurt him way more than, you know, he did. And uh, Brian Castano's a tough warrior. You know, he, he gonna give a lot of people problems. But like I said, my power is something serious at this weight division. My coach told me I needed a knockout in the ninth round, and I just knew that, uh, you know, he knew what he was talking about. I believe in my coach, and, you know, uh, this is my first time experiencing something like this, so, hey, this come with boxing, baby. Wins, losses, and draws. My lines only still rock with me. No, claro, yo sentí que... For me, I won the fight, without a doubt. There were some rounds where he hit me hard, I'll admit, but I think I won the fight. I want to thank Showtime for the opportunity. It was a great fight. I was hurt in the 10th round, but I believe I did enough to win it. Misha Tate is no stranger to the UFC octagon, having risen to the top of the women's division by beating the legendary Holly Holmes for the title back in 2016. However, after losing the belt a few months on and another loss later that year, Tate took a break from mixed martial arts. Nearly five years later, she was back to face another veteran of the sport, 44-year-old Marion Renault, for a bantamweight bout, the co-main event of UFC Fight Night at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Tate dominated the Brazilian bruiser, landing 65% of her 110 significant strikes, outstriking her opponent by more than double. 
The American, affectionately known as Cupcake, had Renault taste defeat and put the cherry on top of her comeback with a stoppage in the third and final round of the bout.